the November 2nd, 2023 uh, work session for the Eagle Vale Metro District Board of Directors. Um, we have an agenda. Are there any updates to the, the agenda? Tim Staff had, would like to request a quick update to the board and to the community on the turkey trot. Okay. And also uh, a while, uh, fire wise update, real quick. Okay. Yeah, if you want to make a to discuss netting. Okay. And just Steve reminded me this is a, yeah, this is a work session and not any a meeting where we could take official action on anything so um yeah that would be fine if we could do that at the end of the meeting okay public comment um did you want to oh yeah never mind miss anything yeah no you're good. okay cindy fitzgerald would like to or cindy gilbert Thinking of someone else would like to make a few remarks. Go ahead, Cindy. I'm just Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm here to just briefly talk about um, the fire station situation, which I know you're going to go into more thoroughly later. I talked to Steve today. I've been on the fire station uh, potential redevelopment committee for a year now, and it's kind of gone into a stall, and um, it's no... Uh, effect on this on this particular board but um, it just seems like um, in your last Stratop session you discussed the possibilities and maybe trying to find some Eagle County partners to go in which could redevelop that area and I know that the sheriff's station who is a, a part of that redevelopment has stalled on the letters that you've sent them so um, again, none of your fault, but I think it is a priority. To, let's get this on the agenda and let's get it over with trying to find if anybody's interested in partnering rather than us pursuing any type of redevelopment on our own. Uh, yeah, we have partners with housing and everything else that can go into that area. And uh, it's just all pie-in-the-sky stuff right now. But I really would like to see a little expediency in pursuing whether we're going to do it or we're not. And we need one of my suggestions uh, many years ago when I spent a lot of time on the board, uh, we had many community uh, committees. One of them was uh, development. And I suggested um, in a few places that maybe if we could get the development committee back, like Jack Hun, who did the original report on the property, and um, some of the other people that used to be involved with that type of suggestions, if we could get the committee together to help Tim and Steve and the committee weed through a little bit of this while we're waiting for a partner, it would really be helpful because those people that are experts in those fields, zoning and everything else, can help the committee come up with some type of uh, uh, suggestion 
for, for the board pursuing the $10,000 in the redevelopment fees that they put into place. I just think it's a priority that it doesn't waste any more of your time and that we get a committee together with these developers and zoning experts and stuff like that to try and give us some better suggestions to bring to you so that we can expedite it. Get it off your plate. Get it on your plate. <laughs> and I only have one other quick comment. Ryan, you're doing a really great job. I saw the new pass and um, potential things for 2024. And all I wanted to remind the board of is that previous boards have always said that residents of the community will always have a break on our recreational events. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy. And yeah, that, that building, I think all of us want to get it off the board plate. And we did make it a priority at the last strat up. So I know we're following through. And hopefully, in the next few months, we'll get a little further direction. But I'm open to the idea if we can get some development-minded individuals in the community who want to help us, we'd be open to having that. Um, OK. Next item up is the uh, 2023 Golf Review, Ryan and Brent. I'll go first. Um, kind of the purpose of this exercise is just Ryan and I kind of teaming up, uh, giving you kind of a overview of the year, kind of what happened, successes, struggles, uh, things that uh, we kind of had to motive or you know navigate as we went. Um, I'll do it from my department uh, and kind of the way I saw things, and then uh, Ryan can do it from the old uh, golf shop style. Well, winter activities, as you guys know, we had a phenomenal winter. Um, so that really amplified all of our activities. That uh, still had a wonderful partnership with the grooming of the Nordic track for HPS and their Nordic team, but also throughout the community. Um, so more snow, more grooming, more equipment use. Uh, same thing with just our snow removal. Uh, pushing the snow, using the bobcat, all those activities. So it was a, a pretty busy year, maybe a bit more than usual for us down there. Uh, keeping things cleared, Christmas tree recycling, um, shop maintenance improvements. Uh, this is also an awesome time for Frank. Uh, what an asset he is with his skill set, um, switching out motors, transmissions, um, really saving the district a lot of money versus sending things out. So this is kind of his time to do that. So blessed to have him in the shop doing those things. And then improvements, whether we're um, cleaning or painting the break room or putting new epoxy on the shop floor, uh, those kind of things. And then refurbishing uh, our core supplies, um, planning for the next season and thinking about uh, employee recruitment. As I mentioned, what a fantastic year. Uh, we got the bronze. So I've been taking measurements since 2006, and uh, last year we were at 199 and a half, almost hit that 200 mark. Um, but third place uh, in my records, um, and as I mentioned, that's always kind of determining how your spring is, what your start dates are gonna look like, when you can get out on that course, what that snowpack's like. 
um, but a fantastic year for snowpack, rivers, uh, replenishing ponds, etc. You know, big reservoirs down downstream from us, and hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Clearing off the greens. Um, this starts in March, beginning of March. This can take anywhere from four to six weeks, depending on how much snowfall we've had. This year, it took us about five and a half weeks. Um, there's the guys just working hard. It's a good workout, uh, but we were blessed about two years ago to get new snowblowers. Uh, we replaced our old snowblowers that we probably bought back in the uh, Obama administration. So these have been fantastic, a little bigger, a lot more efficient, shoot the snow a lot further um, and, and clear those greens. And then you see what you get, and they came out fantastic this year. We were blessed with great turf conditions coming out of the winter. Um, and that was throughout all the playing condition or all the playing surface if, surfaces, if you will. I call it the great resurrection. You start seeing that snow recede April, May, even into June. Um, and you start seeing the turf and the amenities come out. And this is our time to um, resurrect them, start brushing, cleaning up, um, bringing in personnel and starting up the irrigation, first mowings, etc. And then throughout, continuing on with getting the courses and the amenities ready for play, um, putting the windscreens up, uh, charging up the bathrooms, um, putting up the nets at the courts, getting the athletic fields ready, uh, the par three golf course, getting all the winter equipment away and bringing out the summer equipment so it can assist in our jobs. Throughout May and June and all throughout the season, um, Community involvement is huge at the maintenance shop. Um, there's the uh, HPS service day for the eighth graders. It's probably, I don't know, seven years going. It's been quite a while. Um, then also we do the community cleanup where cleaning up uh, fall debris and collecting that from the community members. Um, there's me down there giving a presentation. Ryan, are blessed. Ryan and I are blessed to go over to HPS during service day and telling uh, the eighth graders about the dream jobs we have. Uh, also just traffic calming, speed bumps, banners up, radar signs, beautifying things, getting the flowers out, entrances looking good, um, par three course like I mentioned, um, the trails ready, the pool gets going, so really kind of ramp up and get things going. I would say if not the best, but probably one of the best years we've ever had with our floral and flowers. Uh, they just held up great, no aphids, irrigation worked, um, and they just, they went the whole season just looking great. So very proud of that. Like myself, they're very sensitive, so you just never know. So I was, uh, we're pleased that when we can get into September with uh, flowers looking that good. Capital projects, did we have a few of those this year? I think maybe a few. So starting right in January with pump house improvements, air, aerators in the trout pond. We updated uh, five of our AED units um, to a more modern unit. Split rail fence, miles long, uh, shop tools was a fantastic capital project. Cart path work, new equipment. Uh, that's our sprayer that we got. Uh, Stone Creek Master, our phase two of the Stone Creek Master Plan was completed. Uh, what a blessing that was and what a successful project. 
The 18-hole reserve study, looking towards the future. What's that look like uh, improving the golf course and the golf course experience? Pavilion Pond, of course, resurfacing the courts, bag drop, um, driving range netting. So what a fantastic uh, organization to work for. And then really what, where my success lies is in my dream team. These are our full-time employees down at the maintenance shop, Drew Tabor. He started probably back in the Obama administration too. He's on his 13th year. Frank Kerstetter, um, what an asset he is. And the magician, we kind of call him. He's just so, so efficient in that shop and makes things run so well. It makes us look really good with that equipment. And then Darian Underwood, uh, what a blessing it is to have him on team. Um, being the second assistant slash irrigation tech, having someone devoted to our irrigation system has really improved the efficiency of our irrigation system and having someone that's knowledgeable that you don't have to train in year after year and investing in someone for a career has been phenomenal. And then our varsity crew. I'm super proud of these guys. Um, every face up there is a returning employee, whether they've been here for two years or the one gentleman sitting on that fairway unit went on his 24th year. So the culture that's being created down there, the vibe in the locker room, uh, it's got championship written all over it. So we're pretty excited about all that. And I'm proud of it that those guys come back year after year and there's a cost to it, of course, but you're investing in these guys and uh, it's just fantastic. So proud of the crew and what they do and they, they make this place look pretty darn good. Before you know it, it's peak season. You've picked your dates. All 18 holes are open, the part three. Um, fields are getting ready, courts are up and running, uh, traffic calming's all happening, landscapes, entrances are getting beautified projects along the way, and then of course, our waterways. Really proud of the peak season, um, probably the quickest season of my life, uh, before you know it. Uh, it's September, and you're starting to think of other things, but um, what a fantastic three months that was. Fall already? So before you know it, you're setting up your closing days, your last mowings. And my, my theory is what you do today will help your tomorrow, and it's very similar in this aspect, is what we can do in the fall will help our next season and our successes. And I've, the programs we've implemented over time, I think we're seeing that. Um, winterizing the irrigation systems, fall applications, awnings down, windscreens down, fall cleanup, start saying goodbye seasonal staff, I love you. You're coming back next year, right? Please. So we're down to our full-time staff, roping off greens, Nordic track. Winter equipment starts coming out. Summer equipment goes in. And of course, the planning for the future, always looking ahead. Challenges, we always have challenges. <clears throat> Retaining staff, of course. Um, but we've been really successful in that area. Just the plain old cost of doing business. It's still expensive. There's still some sticker shock out there. The state of the union, how things are going, whether you're even gonna get things, receiving goods. That's our new sprayer right there. That's the only sprayer that came to Colorado. Um, and it came three months late. We were able to use it in the fall and towards the later part of the season. 
but that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with. We did put together a 10-year equipment plan, and some of the mowers that we're in need of won't be ready until 2025. So that's kind of what we're still dealing with. So I think having forethought, looking ahead, planning ahead, noodling on things and making things work, um, putting strategy towards it always helps. And of course, we had our unfortunate incidents with vandalism. Um, tough time on that, but couldn't be more proud of not only how the golf shop reacted, how the community reacted, how our leadership reacted, but how our crew reacted in, uh, in a difficult time, putting things together and getting that golf course and those greens back together. I think the power of the Lord's in those greens because the, the strength was huge. They're looking good. I'm confident that next year in the springtime, we'll never even know what happened. Um, so very thankful for that, and hopefully it never happens again. We always have environmental challenges, um, especially this time of year when we're having snowfall, but then warming events. Um, so we're always out there looking at that snowpack, looking at what the greens are doing, uh, removing snow in certain areas that are more vulnerable for ice damage. Uh, so there's always that aspect. Successes. I had like three or four pages on this, and it wouldn't even fit on my thumb drive. I had to get the tow drive out. But I condensed it. Obviously, very proud of our course conditions. Um, I would put our course conditions in our golf experience up against anybody. Uh, retaining staff, as I mentioned. The culture of this uh, organization uh, is fantastic, great place to work. Uh, Audubon recertification. Um, during that trip around uh, the representative, I had to keep pushing his jaw up. He was so impressed with the things that we've implemented over time, the successes we've had, the projects that we've had. Um, he was blown away at our environmental stewardship. Um, amenity standards, I think our amenity standards are high and we are sustaining that and always pushing forward. There's rumor had it, we did pretty good in the golf shop. Revenues. Communications, I think our communi communications are always improving. For instance, starting to tell the community about some of our bigger uh, chemical applications and stuff through media and social media. Capital projects, always doing a great job there, improving things, investing in things. Uh, we turned 50 years old, so obviously things are in need of help and repair, but what a fantastic supportive board and leadership, uh, those things are getting done. And then always future planning. And then the future, it's pretty bright, you might have to put them on. But these are a few of my little wish list things that you know I hope we pursue, um, is the 18-hole reserve study, always trying to improve the golf course and that experience, uh, revisiting the Parks Master Plan, getting things up to date. Of course, East End is at the, the, the forefront, the next phase is there. Um, I'm a bit biased, but I think the maintenance staff and department are kind of the heartbeat and foundation of the organization. Um, to update our facility down there would just be a blessing and I think would really elevate um, our work and also just the feeling in the community and what we can provide. Um, another full-time staff member would be a blessing, trying, trying to kind of work on that, invest in someone. Um, I think that would really round out our team down there. And then always pursuing uh, environmental stewardship, always uh, trending, what can we do better, 
water usage, um, all those things that uh, really eliminate our footprint and reduce it. So 2023, best year ever, or might be next year. So thank you, wanna thank the board for all your support. What a great season. Um, department heads, fantastic relationships, working with you guys. And then also just hats off to uh, our captain, our leader, uh, Stephen Barber, so thankful to, to work alongside him. So if you guys have any questions. Any questions for Brent? Great job, Brent, again. It really shows how much pride you take in the work and your team, so it's great. We're, we're lucky to have you. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I should have gone first. <laughs> um, little known secret about myself, I'll open up to the group here, is uh, I got one round of golf in at Eagle Vale this year, one 18-hole round in. Um, and it was awesome. It was a great time. But uh, I do play more golf at other places. And when I do that, I go out and steal secrets, and I take notes, and I critique, and I do a lot of other research out there to bring back and um, what I wanted to say really is when you go to a golf course and you see the course conditions and the playability of it you can tell when the superintendents care about what they do and here you can definitely tell that they got their heart and soul into it so um, really I, I'm just going to summarize this uh, presentation in about a minute and, and it's just uh, it's as successful as Brent makes it and he makes my job super easy and um, you can tell that he does a great job and uh, without all all the things that he do he does you know we, we couldn't be as successful on the the revenue and operational side of it too so um, it's cool to have that and he's a great partner a great friend and um, it's a good team that we have going on there so um, it's pretty cool so here we go real quick and if you guys ever want to know about some of those golf rounds other places I take notes on all of them so Let's see if I know how to use a clicker. Thanks, Brent. There we go. One of my big goals for next year is to take as many pictures as Brent. <laughs> so in the meantime, I just have to go off clip art. Clip art. Um, but I always like to dub each season with a certain title, and I felt like 2023 was the secret to progress is to get started. And we've talked about this in Stratops and as a board and every meeting amongst the staff is that, you know, it's difficult sometimes leading a community and staff members, like just getting things going. But I felt like 2023 at the end of it all, you could see a lot of great work that happened out there. Like Brent mentioned, a lot of the capital projects and things of that nature. Um, it was just awesome to see some of the things that we've been talking about literally for years to kind of come out and get those things going. And so at the beginning of the year with the weather that we had from the operational standpoint to some of the projects going on, um, you know, we had the vision, we had the goal, the plan, the action, success. And so that was literally like, 
you know, word for word perfect of how the season basically started till how it's going to end. And it was great just for everybody to come together in a big collaboration because uh, really the secret to progress is how we got started this year. And it was cool to be a part of it all. Um, I kind of just jumped through here and um, I know I only have so much time because Brent took most of this presentation time. So I'm going to kind of just jump through some of these things. Uh, I can talk about these for hours and hours, but Chris always says I'm long winded. So um, just a few things. This is some market comparisons just for your own information, kind of where we stand on some general um, business topics right here. You can see our green fees in the upper left. Uh, kind of where we're at from 2023 versus some of these other golf courses that I just gathered. Um, I got the golf courses that were uh, open to the public all within a uh, 25 mile radius, I guess, of each other here. Um, but certainly uh, not up there in price compared to like Beaver Creek, not quite down there in price versus gypsum. I think we're, we're uh, priced pretty well in our market. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know if I heard maybe one person say anything that we were priced too high this year, which is an awesome thing to think about, which goes into our strategies and everything for next year. Um, jump into the top right. You can see some season passes. Uh, Beaver Creek right there in the middle. I didn't leave that one out. They just don't they don't really have a season pass kind of comparable to like what the other golf courses do. They have some other programs, but it's not something that would really be relevant on this chart. Um, so you can kind of see the, the season pass price of everything right there. Um, again, not quite as high as like Eagle Ranch. They have a little bit of a longer season right there. Um, Vail right there is just priced a little bit higher. Uh, and some of these courses, they include range balls, uh, in bag storage, different things of that nature. So they're all a little bit different, but I think we're priced pretty darn well. And considering we sold out of all our season passes in about a week, and what green fee revenue turned out to be at the end of the season. I think we did a pretty good job at trying to balance what our demand for these kind of things are. Uh, bottom left chart right there, rounds of golf. Kind of a funny looking chart here, but um, it's kind of relative to like green fees and things of that nature. So Beaver Creek has a little bit less there of some rounds. Uh, that was our total rounds for the year, 24, just over 24,000 here at Eagleville. Um, does not include the Willow Creek Par 3 course, but um, if you do the math on it, if we're open up for five months, you know, that's close to about 5,000 rounds a month. Divide that by 30 days, we're staying pretty busy out there from sunrise to sundown. Um, I threw the bottom right Google reviews on there. There's certainly a lot of review sites out there, um, but I think that's relevant based off this other information. Um, I think that if some of our rates might be off, if the experience wasn't quite there, uh, with too many players, volume, green fees, things of that nature, you might see kind of a dip somewhere in these reviews. But when you look at this chart right there, um, like the far right side would be like a five-star review. Um, and that didn't pop up on here, but uh, most of those are like 4.4 to 4.6 stars. And so um, I would say in the review, the review world out there in this online world, doing fairly well there. So. Happy to share those. Um, threw together just a quick SWOT analysis, and I'm gonna kind of just jump through these very broadly. Um, some of our strengths, you know, from our last survey, some some other things that we gather information from. Uh, we definitely stay focused on providing a good customer experience. Um, 
period. Like that's something that we don't sacrifice and that we don't put up with from the staff. This is something that's kind of ingrained with our day-to-day operations. This is something that's very near and dear to us. And, um, and it's great to see people that believe in that because that's kind of what they come to work to be successful on. Um, we have a strong staff and culture, just like Brent mentioned. Uh, we also have a strong golfer development program. Uh, some of the weaknesses for those development programs is we don't have enough golf professional staff to be able to give more. Uh, I wish we had something seven days a week, but right now we have about four days a week, and that's about as many times and hours that we can possibly get out there outside of the busy season. Uh, some of the weaknesses that we do have, um, poor golf community reputation. I think some of the issues that we do get out there, some of the comments that we have is um, certainly, you know, when there's a bunch of dogs out there in the evenings and people can't finish their round because there's uh, dogs grabbing their balls and running off with them. Um, that certainly makes for a, a really difficult round and what you can actually charge in the, in the evening rates. Um, so that's kind of a tough one right there. Uh, aging facilities, the aesthetics, the ability to sell. Um, the facilities up there at the clubhouse, you know, we're spending more and more every single day just to try to maintain that. Um, unfortunately, about three or four days ago when these freezing temperatures came on in, we had a, a pipe burst up there. And so had a little waterfall gushing out of the side of the building. You know, this is a very common thing and repairs and maintenance to that specific building alone is just adding up. And so, you know, at what point do you kind of look at that and say, you know, is it a lost leader and what do we have to do to to better maintain it going into the future years. Uh, the aesthetics of it, um, again, you go around and visit some other clubhouses. Um, because this is a revenue generating operation, you know, you want to always devote a lot of time and money back into your resources and assets. That's something that we try to do every single year. And we thank the board and the staff for all the support to, to make sure that that kind of happens. But at what point do you start looking at like what's more of a permanent change for the next 20 years or so? Um, and the ability to sell, you know, we've got um, a pretty, pretty dated clubhouse, Willow Creek, um, some other facilities like Brent mentioned, the, the, the uh, maintenance facility down there. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly showing its age and sometimes you got to throw a little bit back there and, and kind of boost everything else around you. Um, I think still food and beverage, uh, not necessarily just a weakness, but I think it's got a, a great opportunity in there internally for us to grow and expand and, and take the support from the community and the board to just make that a, an operation to be proud of. Um, we got a great chef up there with Vinny and, and uh, he takes it really hard to heart of making sure that his products are at a certain level, um, but just to make sure that he has a support system around him to, to take that to the next level. Uh, some of the opportunities that we do have more external here, you know, we, we have an awesome location here. You know, uh, this area in the summertime, just as you know, collects a ton of tourists, people from the Front Range, California, New York, Florida, Texas. I mean, we get people from all over the world that come out here to visit and play our golf course. And, and I think that's really cool. And and uh, unfortunately, I only speak English, but I get a lot of people that come in speaking some different languages. And I just I think that's a really cool thing to have because uh, we get people from all different um, diversities and cultures and things playing Eagleville, which is pretty fun to be a part of. Um, so great location. Uh, we have a great loyal customer base, uh, strong support out there. Um, what's going on recently since 2020 really uh, is a recent boom in the golf popularity. So uh, if you have kids or you see it out there on the social media land, uh, golf is everywhere. Um, it's very mainstream, it's very trendy, it's uh, a very cool, popular thing to be doing. 
And that's never been the case in my entire lifetime. You know, I was always kind of a little golf nerd growing up thinking that was the best sport ever, but now everybody else is doing it too. So I'm definitely outside of my generation there, but um, it's really cool to be a part of that right now. Some of the threats that we have, we, we do have a short golf season, you know, to produce certain revenues. As we saw when we lose a month, like we did in May and into June this season, that really chips away at some of our golf shop sales, some of our food and beverage sales, some departments that really rely on that early traffic. And so when we're down 900 golfers, you know, within the first four weeks or so of the season, because it's such a short season, that can certainly hurt. Uh, luckily, we were blessed once that weather did start getting going pretty good that uh, it lasted for the majority of this season. Um, but, you know, with such a short season out there, it, uh, it can be pretty difficult out there. Um, housing and staffing challenges, as, as we all know, national economy, economy, like Brent was talking about, you know, we just don't know what's going on out there. I think that uh, was a big factor in our golf shop sales this year is um, just the state of of the world right now, people aren't spending their extra money on some things that they might not actually need. And so that's something that certainly affects our business here. Capital projects, um, Brent's got some cooler pictures than I do, but I got the golf carts, which are always really fun. Um, as you can see in the middle picture there, those things are, are awesome. If you go up and play some other golf courses, they don't have the GPS, they don't have the water bottles and the, uh, the towels and the coolers, the ball washers, club cleaners, um, making sure that they actually look good, like somebody cares to, to maintain them, it certainly stands out. And um, we're very privileged here in Eagleville to be able to have a golf cart that looks like that. And so those are our new golf carts this year that we got in. Uh, you can see the clubhouse project up on the right, the bag drop. If you haven't been up there in like the last hour or so, um, they've done a heck of a job out there on the other side of it, getting that parking lot going, and it's going to really tie it all together. So it's going to be a great finished product. Uh, Stone Creek, like Brent mentioned earlier on the left side, got some great comments out there on how much easier 6 and 11 play and um, how much more they enjoy it, and they don't lose as many golf balls, which is cool. Um, down at the bottom, Club Caddy, what that is, is we updated our software this year. Um, so use the support from John and Diana and Kurt, you know, everybody was a part of this and it was not easy transitioning over everything into this new system. And so thankfully we had a lot of patience to tra transition out of our old system and then this new one. But I think uh, from our customers to the staff, it, it's been a good thing. And so that was a really nice thing to get done this year too. Here's just a few things on our passes out there, um, season passes, you know, who these are, and I'm sorry for the green, it's kind of um, all the same color-ish, but you can kind of see um, the amount of Eagleveil passes versus guest passes. We also offer a military and junior, which are the two lowest ones. Um, but Eagleveil, as you can see, it's awesome to see people coming in from the community and taking advantage of their nice amenity out in their backyards. Um, so you can, I, I believe it was uh, in the last board report, I had 40 something percent of our total passes were coming from Eagleville, as you can see in the chart there. Um, and then punch cards, which were a great addition to some revenues this year. We did a great job on that. So you can kind of see, if you look at both of the years, how much more we did this year versus last year, which is fun to report. Total rounds, you can kind of see how we have taken a, a bit of a dip uh, since 2020 right there but I think we're at a pretty good, healthy balance with all of it. And you can kind of see where those are broken up into the bottom right. These are all really important numbers for us to kind of put together for when we're strategizing future years and things of that nature. 
Uh, one of the things here for pace of play, this is one of my big weaknesses uh, that we really try to address every single year. What we're looking at for next year is to get a little bit more professional help in that realm. Um, as you know, we're open from 7 a.m. till basically 7 p.m. with tee times. We have golfers that are of every single playing ability out there. Um, and you could have a really good golfer, you could have a really bad golfer, you could have a really fast one, you could have a really slow one. But this is something that we maintain. Excuse me, this is a pace of play report that we gather from our Visage, which is our GPS on our golf carts. Um, what the average is basically at the end of the season was four hours and five minutes, which was actually just ahead of pace from opening starting times to the end starting times. So that's a good number to be proud of. And uh, the, the tough thing with that is that would include some five hour rounds that happened during the season. Um, that's not anything that you know a golf professional would ever be proud of because I would have walked off the golf course myself. And so as an experience goes, what are we doing to try to address that a little bit better and, and make sure that we can tighten up some things and just move along? And that, that includes some course maintenance. It includes some structural things internally, some different things like that. But you can kind of see here based on the whole uh, what we have assigned to each of those and, and where they fell in line with how long it takes to play certain holes. So a lot of great information from these reports that we gather to just make next year hopefully a little bit better. If we could go from four hours and five minutes, maybe we can go to four hours and one minute or something and shave off four minutes or so. Golf shop merchandise, um, just another category here. Uh, left chart just shows from uh, National Sales. This is out of our PGA magazine. This is actually from August. Um, I put that up there just because, as I mentioned, the national economy and what it's looking like right now, you can see some down arrows, which is not the best for, you know, golf merchandisers and things of that nature in their business. I was talking to the TaylorMade rep just a couple weeks ago, and um, of all their 50 reps that they actually have across the entire world, only three of them hit their goals for their sales. And so I said, okay, well, that makes me feel a little better. Um, we didn't quite hit our numbers there in the golf shop. So what does that mean for, you know, for next year? And so um, hopefully things will get back on track there just a little bit more with some consumer confidence and making sure that uh, we utilize chat out there and have a different buying perspective on what we're bringing in the shop and how it's merchandised and everything like that. But you know, we, uh, like I said, new merchandiser Chad, you know, how's our pricing doing? Um, do we need to look at a little bit of a smaller price point you know, from certain apparel to the clubs? Things have certainly gotten a little bit high lately, like Brent was saying also. Uh, so we need to try to maintain that based on what we feel like the next year is gonna bring. But we're doing all that buying right now because this is kind of how the fashion world works. And so hopefully we'll do a lot better and um, you know, going into my eighth season for 2024, I think we have a pretty good understanding and we're getting a good grasp on it too. Oops, I think I skipped one. Here you go, uh, some food and bev. You know, we tried a few creative programs out there, the far left one. These flyers are kind of cut off just because it kind of looks cool on there. But basically that was a, a flyer that we were trying to utilize just to get more people to call up to the clubhouse, whether it was at the driving range or if it was um, over at the pool, uh, par three course, wherever it might be so that we can try to get a little bit more food out there into the community. So some different things like that that we can learn from our new system on, on how to do just a little bit better. Uh, we did some music and dinner nights. We did the couples cup stuff at the end of the, the year. We always have like a weekly, daily specials, things of that nature. Um, so I think we did a good job right there. We had our beverage manager that we started this season with ended up leaving, um, I wanna to say towards the end of June or so. That was kind of a challenge for us. 
Um, but we filled that role fairly quickly and kind of rolled with that for the rest of the year. And that's always a tough one, you know, when you start looking at beverages because it's like you want to make your revenues on certain adult beverages, but you don't want to make them too much because then you know that you're kind of selling too much. You know, so it's a tough one. We preach all the time, you know, if somebody looks like they are already cross-eyed by the time they get to the bar, that's a no for them. Um, but at the same time, you know, it hurts from their tips and everything like that. So it's kind of a, a fine line to walk on right there for the beverage side of it. Um, but, you know, this is our first winter going into the off season, into next season, where we have a full-time chef that can put together an actual game plan going into the year, which I think is going to be huge for us. Um, so I know Vinny's up there working hard on, on what those plans might look like going into the winter and for next season. So this is a really exciting time. Uh, jumping into Willow Creek, par three over there. It was a great year for it. We did a pretty good amount of rounds out there. We had great passes, programs. The revenues were good. Uh, it's great for beginners. So if, if you haven't been out there, it's actually really fun. Um, I hate to say this, but this was the first year I actually played nine holes out there on it myself. Um, I, and I didn't do all that great either. But um, we have golf. We have foot golf, fling golf. But it's a great great time and I'm happy to see that we might be investing a little bit more into it because it's a great little property over there and I think adding some of these things to it will just make it a better experience for everybody coming out there to participate. Uh, some key performance indicators, a little bit more, uh, you know, some, some kind of price points for us. I always like to bring these up in my presentation because this is uh, sort of season to season where we were before. Um, the far left was average per round so you can kind of see that went up a little bit right there. Um, but this gives a good indication of like, hey, are we really expensive or are we not? I think on like Google right now, we have like three of those dollar signs right next to our name, which is kind of like moderate, I think. We're not like ultra expensive or anything like that. And I think that's where we should be. I think it's a great business concept and uh, our philosophy for a lot of volume. You know, what do range ball baskets cost? You know, not a whole heck of a lot. In fact, there are a lot more at some other places range passes, rental clubs, um, golf lessons. You know, you could get out there and for a hundred bucks or say do three lessons for 300 over three months. Like you could actually really make your golf game a whole lot better. We have some great instructors that are out here, which is a, a blessing to have. So you can kind of see what some of these golf uh, indicators look like. Here we go with merchandise. Some of the bigger ticket items, which are no uh, secret golf clubs or crazy expensive out there right now. Golf bags are pretty pricey. Um, you know, you can get a pair of shoes, hundred bucks right there, you know, outerwear. So we're, we're priced, I think, very competitively um, for a resort type destination. Um, we still offer 20% to our pass holders, so we try to take care of some of our locals in that regards. Um, but overall, you can see that we're priced, I think, pretty darn well. Once we jump over to food and bev, you know, what's a hammer cost? It's right there by like 12 bucks. Uh, a little bit less for hot dogs, non-alcohol, liquor, wine, beer. You know, sometimes I hear, well, the prices are a little bit steep, you know, for a, a can of beer. And I was like, yeah, I have to pay for Brent and his crew. So, you know, it's not just walking down to the, the local bar and they have just a little restaurant. We have an entire piece of property out there to, to cover too. And hopefully these, these uh, revenues kind of help out with that. Um, here we go, going into staffing. Um, we have new leadership. We got Chad and Vinny on here year round, which is awesome. Um, we have professional development. Speaking of Chad, he just finished 
uh, one of his launch monitor trainings, which is huge. Um, so, so proud of him for doing that. He's going to be a certified golf professional here pretty soon, too. Vinny is taking a food manager certification test, which is not very fun if you've ever wanted to dive into that. I would just walk out of that class right away, but it's a big old proctor exam. And actually next Tuesday when he's taking it, we have to leave the building because they're gonna be analyzing every single movement of his while he's taking this test. But I'm so proud of him for doing that. And that's something that every restaurant needs to have for your permit to, to be able to sell food to the public. Um, so what we're doing out there with the staff that we do have with that new leadership, as well as some of our seasonals, is we're giving them an opportunity just to take that next step into your own professional development and the things to, to get better, to turn around and get better for the organization. Um, working space, I put this on here because I was really proud of that. One of the things that we did going into last winter was, you know, how do we retain our staff just a little bit more? And it's not just about, you know, give them a few extra, you know, dollars or so on their paycheck, but what is the feeling when they walk into that place? And so we, we made their restroom down in the car barn look better. We gave them a break room. We added some uh, refrigerators, some microwaves. We, Chris got down there and actually painted a room. She did a pretty good job at it. And um, we, we created just a better work environment, upstairs, downstairs, for the staff. And so I think it really helps with morale and, and just the overall feeling of wanting to come into work and not feel like it's a, it's a bad place to be. Uh, the culture, like Brent said, um, I, will, I will say that uh, we've got a really great thing going on up there. Uh, retention, I've, I've got Brent beat, I've got a guy up there for 33 years, Greg, our starter, it's, it's pretty cool to have. But even our clubhouse manager, Rochelle, she's going on year 11, I believe. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, next year. So it's really cool to have all that stuff. and. You know, as a leader, it's, it's, it's a great compliment to, to see the new faces or the same faces come back and want to work for you. I don't know why they'd want to work for me, but uh, it's probably more like Steve and Chris, and that's what it is, and I'm just kind of in the way of, of kind of working for them. But uh, it's, it's been really great, and, and here's my pictures of, of my staff. Charlie's Angels, Rochelle and Kaylee up there, Vinny, the cook, uh, Chad, our new guy on the bottom left. And uh, I wasn't able to get all my staff together at once like Brent was. We got crazy shifts up there, but that's some of the staff down in the, the bottom right picture there. So really proud of them. And uh, again, our success really falls with, within these folks right here because at the end of the day, this is the, the people that are executing everything. Some of our accomplishments, continuous improvement. These are all a really big thing. Our culture, our adaptation. Every single day, it's like, hey, what's going to be new today, right? Within the hour, it changes. Uh, we're super efficient. You know, when I walk around that place, it, it seems like the, the things that we've put in place through the years, uh, the more time that we're there, things just become more smooth. It's like a well-oiled machine, and that's really nice to be a part of. Our lessons and clinics are like the best around that I've ever been a part of as a golf professional. You know, our programming, it's there for juniors, it's there for ladies, it's there for the military. It, it, it supports this this big old, the game of golf is, is just great for people and, and their overall health, you know, the physical health, the mental health, everything like that. It's just a, a great sport to be a part of and that programming is there to, to basically push all those. You know, I think we've done a great job with branding throughout the golf course and the clubhouse, everything like that, our services, you know, our leadership and mentoring. We really actually do care about our customers. We actually do care about working for one another. 
Um, we do care about working for the community. I think our relations with them this year, some of those errand balls, this is a, a hot topic, but I think we did a pretty darn good job about um, accepting responsibility and addressing some of those concerns that we had out there this past season and just getting a little bit better and better as we go along. You know, we had great survey results, financial goals. I think we're pretty strong this year. Um, upcoming months, this is what's going on in the wintertime right there. There's our golf simulator on the left. Uh, we're doing some merchandise sales still out there in the golf shop. Our simulator, we're starting an indoor league on that thing, uh, working on a few capital projects that include some updates to the clubhouse. Um, we're always updating our standard operating procedures every single year just to kind of fine-tune them, fine-tune them to see how they're going to be a little bit more relevant this year versus two years ago. Um, food and beverage services is going to be a big one for us right now. Recruiting, we've got uh, three interns already lined up. Uh, one from, excuse me, two from Colorado Springs and one from Florida that'll be coming on in. You know, again, we're going to continue our education and training, uh, get prepared for the season. Everything that we do right now is in preparation just to make sure that the next season is going to be as successful as we want it to be. Um, our open to buy plan for the golf shop right there, those are still finishing up. Literally have emails five minutes before I was coming down here for this. And then working on promoting that clubhouse just a little bit better for some private parties and what we can do to increase some of those right there. And if you check the Vail Daily just recently, this just came out and um, no surprise, we're in the top three again. Um, I think they did their grading system a little bit differently and so they don't give us number one anymore, but we're in top three for the Valley, and that's pretty awesome. We've had that going since 2018, and really that's in part because of the staff and people in this room right now to make it a great place. And I guess that's my last slide, so if you have any questions. Sorry it took too long. All right. That was a really fast version. Thanks, Ryan. Another great presentation. I don't think any questions? We're good. You guys do a great job. It's, uh, it's awesome to have you guys. We're very, very lucky. <clears throat> All right, I think the next item is John. Michael. Oh, is it me? Oh, yeah, fire station. Steve, you want to? Yeah, I think you update? touched on it. Thanks, Tim. I think yeah. you touched on it briefly on uh, kind of the next steps for the Metro District. I know that uh, Cindy's been passionate about the fire station and served on numerous committees and boards in the community. And uh, you know, we have identified uh, this as a priority, and Joanna, if she's still on, she's the team lead uh, coming out of Strat Ops. And I thought it was just uh, important, um, you know, to make this public and present this, or make this announcement that, you know, that we're moving forward with uh, finding out uh, what's the next steps for the fire station. But that's all I want, you know, have from, uh, from my side. Yeah, and I mean, we're trying to talk to the county and see if there's any any interest there and what that could mean and i think they're actively trying to get back to us on that right over the next few months yeah i think the you know as we mentioned in strat ops next step we're exploring partnerships um right. you know we currently <clears throat> we currently partner with eagle county uh who manages the housing over there at the fire station and it just seems appropriate to take you know the next step in those future discussions with the county so yeah, hopefully in the next few months we'll have more and a decision for the board to make on what to do. Please. Um, just wanted to say Terry and I sat through a very exciting POA meeting last night, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I don't know what we're zoned over there. 
Um, but there has been some pushback in regards to a PUAD amendment for the RDP building. Um, and uh, so I just, you know, if we have to go through that process to have it rezoned, um, to, to know, you know, where what it is and really what it can be, because uh, it was a very contentious for about 35 minutes. It was a good show. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look into that as well. <laughs> I'm sure we have, but double check. Okay. I think now, uh, John, this is this is your show. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, <clears throat> at the last meeting, we went through kind of a high-level overview of the 2024 budget. So today's our work session. Uh, we're going to dig into some more of the details and. Uh, take the board's feedback uh, ahead of, of the official budget hearing uh, at the next board meeting. Uh, so you guys received uh, kind of my cover memo. I'm going to, I won't go through point by point, but kind of touch on some of the bigger bigger items and then we can kind of dig in to it. Um, on the revenue side, uh, as I mentioned in the last meeting, uh, the current uh, preliminary AV from Eco County is 151, almost 152 million dollars. It's about a 51 percent increase from 2023, um, so pretty large increase. Um, but as we've discussed, you guys are limited thanks to uh, our election question to collecting the uh, the difference. Uh, in, in inflation. Uh, so that will actually cause your mill levy rate to decrease for both uh, operations as well as debt service. Um, currently, you're at about 19.9-ish uh, mills in total. Uh, I think under whether or not Proposition HH passes, you'll be, you know, closer to the 13 or 14 mill range. So it's a, you know, a decent decrease there. Um, Overall total property, or excuse me, total operating property taxes uh, are going to increase by, it's about 5% is what inflation is. So it's gonna be about $85,000 in, in total dollars. Uh, I did provide a chart that shows the difference if uh, Proposition HH passes. Uh, estimated uh, AV, if that were to happen, is 147 million. So it's a decrease of about 6% or so. Um, from from if it doesn't pass. So you will see an impact, but again, that will just cause the mill rates to be slightly higher. Uh, so, you know, at an over, overall level, uh, operating revenues are budgeted to be just under 6.6 .6 million. That's about a 2% increase from, uh, from our 2023 forecast. On the expense side, uh, we are budgeting about a 7% increase in expenditures. Um, and overall, the budget currently calls for a surplus before capital of $2.34 million. Uh, on the expenditure side, the kind of, you know, the biggest pieces of your budget are always going to be staffing and wages as well as capital projects. And so kind of some of the bigger drivers of, uh, of those expenditures are we did include kind of a pool of about 5% on most every uh, seasonal staff line item. Um, discussions with staff is that they feel that that's a required, uh, kind of a requirement in order to be able to bring back our seasonal staff and be competitive within the market from what we're seeing from other uh, employers. Um, so that kind of carries through most, uh, a lot of different departments. 
Um, you'll see uh, there are some other percentage-wise, some big changes. Quartz, uh, we did some repair work in 2023, so that's down quite a bit. That was actually unbudgeted repair work. Um, so it's down from forecast. Budget's pretty similar to, to 2023's budget. Um, on the parks, we are up uh, a substantial amount. Um, primarily, uh, that's driven by reinstalling holiday lights um, in the community. Uh, the, just kind of needs to be done at this point uh, if we want to keep having those. Uh, golf maintenance um, does call for a new position um, in this budget. That is uh, would be a second um, assistant superintendent slash spray tech. Spray tech, sorry, couldn't remember. Uh, that would be a new position in the budget that we don't currently have in terms of a full-time year-round position. Uh, likewise, Golf Pro Shop, we are kind of, staff is proposing a change in our structure for our Ranger program, have a more professional kind of uh, golf-minded uh, person kind of in that role in a full-time seasonal role versus kind of our current part-time structure. So there'd still be some part-time positions to kind of backfill in there. Um, in order to do that, we'd need to have kind of a higher pay rate for that kind of lead position. Uh, and that's kind of to address some of those items that Ryan mentioned in terms of pace of play and customer service out on the course. <clears throat> uh, G&A ex expenses are up about 7% from the forecast and, and F&B is about, up about 5%. Um, the total surplus for the district in this budget is 432,000 after capital. Um, so you can see we have about $1.9 million in capital expenditures uh, in this budget. At the end of 2024, we would have about $4 million remaining in our capital reserves um, as defined by the board, which is that we reserve 50% of our fund balance for uh, <clears throat> future capital requirements, or I'm sorry, 50% of our annual operating expenditures uh, is what we would reserve out of fund balance uh, for operations, and then the remainder would be for capital. So this would leave us about $4 million for future capital projects. Any questions on kind of the uh, those pieces uh, before we kind of run through capital projects? Okay. Uh, so in our 2024 capital projects, we have, uh, I'll just kind of run through the different areas. So at the, at the pool, we've got uh, two larger projects, one to replace the slide for 36,000, one for uh, landscaping work of 35,000. That would be to replace entrance landscaping. There is also drainage issues and tree root issues that need to be addressed. Um, we also have $2,500 to replace the rec pool cover that comes up every couple of years. Courts, we have about 10, we have $10,000 in there to extend the fencing around the courts. Um, for the parks and fields, uh, this is one of our bigger ones. We have 450,000 for East End projects. This is uh, to finish this first phase that, that will be completed in the spring and then beginning the planning uh, for the second phase uh, dealing with the sport fields. $60,000 for pet stations. Uh, that's to replace all of the pet stations throughout the community. There are uh, quite a few of those, and that would be on all the parks and uh, golf course areas. 
Uh, we also have $6,000 in painting to repaint the dugouts, backstop, and batting cages over at the baseball area. Um, those are uh, in kind of dire need of that at this point. We are budgeting uh, $200,000 for wildlife mitigation, or I'm sorry, wildfire mitigation, <clears throat> uh, which we did spend $100,000 this year, so this would be $200,000 to continue that work. Up at the clubhouse, we've got kind of several... Uh, Capital projects next year, as, as Ryan noted, with that aging building, um, kind of dealing with some of those uh, items, specifically painting the exterior, uh, putting in central AC, uh, and redoing the upstairs restrooms, um, and then just some general improvements to the main entrance and golf shop so that it's a, a little bit more of a welcoming entrance. Uh, in, in addition to that, uh, we had started the process of replacing all the tables and chairs in the restaurant, and we need to kind of finish that. And then the staff would like to expand the bag storage options uh, downstairs uh, for pass holders. The driving range, uh, we staff's requesting uh, that we begin planning for start looking at the possibility of having a... a permanent restroom at the driving range. There's currently a porta potty down there. Um, this would be kind of that initial work on that. On hole 11, we need to replace the cooling unit in the walk-in freezer. And then over at Willow Creek, you guys were in there for a meeting not that long ago. The, the clubhouse is in need, need of repairs. Uh, so we've got 38,500 for miscellaneous repairs over and replacements at the clubhouse. And then on the course, the uh, tee boxes are not in great shape. So this would be to install mats on all the tee boxes uh, where they're currently not holding grass. And then also do uh, some tree work to clean up problem areas from trees. On the 18 hole course, we've got <clears throat> um, work to re-level and resod uh, five different six different tea boxes um no seven different tea boxes excuse me um we have a hundred thousand in here to uh remove trees and uh improve the tea area uh on uh, excuse me the landing area on hole number nine um we have uh planting of trees on holes 11 and 3 we need to update and renovate the restrooms on hole number two we need to replace the wood on the bridge in hole number eight. Uh, the, the buildings on the golf course itself are in need of painting, like the barn. Um, and then we have um, 35000 in there, as we discussed in the last meeting, to begin the process of designing the irrigation system replacements. Uh, so that way we can start planning for uh, actually doing that project in you know two to three years out from once that design's done. Uh, we need to do some cart path repairs on 6, 7, and 8. And then there's 60000 in here for Stone Creek restoration, and that's actually mostly a carryover from 2023. Um, we need to install a flume uh, on Stone Creek, and then we also need to update the floodplain mapping because of the work that we have done on the restoration. Uh, we have our just uh, For equipment, we have our GPS system lease. That's an ongoing lease for the uh, GPS system and the carts that Ryan mentioned. Um, we have our maintenance equipment replacement of $100,000, uh, and Brent has a kind of a list of those pieces. Uh, from the sales tax fund, we are proposing $200,000 to install speed tables at the crosswalks and golf cart crossings. 
another 20,000 for various traffic calming and, and wayfinding items, and then continuing with the eBay program uh, with a contribution of $42,000. Um, a <clears throat> couple of unbudgeted items we, you know, we had talked last year and continued that with Kevin's presentation. Uh, we don't have any costs related to constructions of, of holes 4 and 13, as had been previously discussed. And Eagle County Trails had uh, requested $50,000 for 2024. Staff does not recommend that the board fund that. In 2024, you've contributed 150000 over the last couple of years. Uh, you've helped significantly fund the Eagle Vale section. Um, and uh, at this point, staff feels that it's appropriate for other governments to, to help out in the areas around their, their service areas. Uh, and then the last page we have uh, on the memo, we have uh, kind of an example of rates uh, from 2023 to 2024. We are proposing kind of increases in most rate structures, <clears throat> um, you know, generally more, a little bit higher increases on non-resident side versus the resident side uh, for the most part. So that you can see that's an example structure. We'll ask uh, in the next meeting for the board to form formally approve all the rates. Um, but you can see we do have some proposed rate increases for, for those. <clears throat> there are there any questions from the board? That's a huge increase. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> The, the assessed value increase? Yeah, yes. Value. Yeah, you guys are actually, I think, slightly below Eagle County. I think that Eagle County average is like 55%. Um, so you're slightly under, but not by much. Are, are the poop stations really in bad repair? Or? Yeah, I think it's, they're going on 12 years old, roughly like that. And just over time, being out in the elements, um, they're just, not living up to their standard anymore. <clears throat> Time for replacement. Hey, okay, just start. Um, there's a lot of things in here for East End projects that may date out, like the diamond, like the dugouts at the diamond. Like, what's, what's the plan on how long that that baseball diamond will be there that we need the dugouts? Um, and then kind of some of the East End ones. Like I see the potential of keeping the Willow Creek Clubhouse, and I also see where your need is on par three with redoing the tee boxes, because they are worn, and they're very worn, and, and the trees are overgrown. But I mean, what's the thought with investing in assets that you know we don't know the future of? Yeah, I can, maybe I'll just start off and try to answer, you know, some of your questions in the, in the order that you, you asked them, Lauren. Great, great thoughts. Yeah, we've deferred anything over there at the baseball field, just kind of not knowing what's going on over there. Um, and the, the dugouts, you know, specifically over there, um, not a lot of capital dollars have been put over there. Actually, no capital dollars have been put over there for uh, a few years now. And the and the wood around there is beginning to rot and deteriorate. Some of the uh, the shingles on the roof are starting to you know deteriorate, and just the the aesthetics over there um, have 
gone down a little bit over the past couple of years and and knowing that the soccer field you know is is getting relocated to a multi-purpose field uh potentially in 2025 there's going to be a lot of more activity driven on that baseball field and a lot of use and with that um you know as a staff we feel that you know we need to kind of you know bring that up uh to a, a little bit of a better standard with all the use that's going on over there and you know truly not knowing exactly what the future is it's going to be you know the next you know boards are going to be having to make you know big capital decisions on the multi-purpose field and you know if it moves forward which we think we should be doing is great but if it doesn't then we still you know are kind of maybe for another year or two maybe you know kind of looking at uh at that baseball field soccer field as being kind of the the home for uh for turf activities and then getting to the uh you know the, the par three golf course um again we haven't done anything over there to those tee boxes i would probably say in the past 12 years brent you could probably correct me if i'm wrong 12 to 15 years over that period of time the the quality and the ability to even play golf has quite you know diminished a lot uh you know you keep trying to put the maintenance department tries to put sand on divots that get taken over there because it is a par three golf course and you're using you know wedges and pitching irons and clubs of that nature so you've almost gotten to this hump as a tee box and it's become un, you know really unusable unuse, i played over there like ryan more, well i played more than once ryan with with my kids it was actually great but i couldn't even we couldn't even use the tee box we actually had to go out into the rough and actually hit our balls from the rough to play golf over there they have really gotten to the point where they're unplayable we haven't it's probably been seven or eight years since we've done any kind of uh i call it devegetation or removing excess vegetation over there a couple holes you can't even see the green anymore um so until a decision gets made on that i think if we're wanting to at least maintain the same type of revenues coming from them then we're going to have to do something or it's going to be a point to where you know it, it really becomes unplayable um and an, and an enjoyable experience so does that again kind of tie over to the 18 hole golf course and then you know the the value of what you're getting over there if we're if we're trying to you know the goal is to maintain the revenues until we decide what the future is over the par three unfortunately we have to put a little money into it to kind of keep us going until that big decision is made it's almost like you know you got a car that sometimes you know the engine's going to go but you got bald tires and you're going into winter so you got to at least put a little bit of money into it until you figure out what you're going to do so that's that's kind of staff's philosophy on those items that you were talking about it, it's it's a tough decision you know yeah. do you put money into it and you know if we all had a crystal ball and we could see the future then i think it would make, help us make a better decision but you know without knowing what's going to happen and specifically the par three the can has been kicked down the road since tim's been on the board and he's going on you know he's going to be term limited pretty soon so 
<laughs> just you know, people just keep kicking. You know, and I think we're we're making strides on trying to figure out what you know. Uh, engaging in the East End Master Plan is a great start, which will lead to eventually you know having to make a decision on the par three. But you know, it, it's it's a, a big tough ask you know to to put money into something that you really don't know what the future of it is and um you know that's our recommendation you know to the board is that until that time comes that we try to provide something that uh that the community can enjoy and use it as it's designed for so i share lauren's um vision for there's a lot of creative unknowns over there, but we have to budget for it just in case. Is that kind of, it doesn't mean necessarily that we'll spend money on a dugout if all of a sudden baseball goes away? Well, we're, we're, the money, we're not redoing any kind of, we're just trying to refurbish what's there, not knowing kind of what is going to happen. Um, certainly that's our kind of wish list from a staff. Um, you know, again, if the board feels that was it five or six thousand dollars for some upgrades over there um you know we're going to be spending some money over there to you know take out the, the the dirt infield and take out the pitcher's mound so that we can use that field you know for multi-purpose sports uh for next year um i guess i don't think you know i guess the staff feeling is and you know brent can chime in as well because we've talked about it many times is is that it probably makes sense to try to you know, at least make that uh, that area as usable and as presentable as possible without, you know, redoing a whole lot of stuff. It's just, for lack of a better word, put a little bit more perfume on that pig. So, Terry, to your point, I think, you know, the expectation probably is they will do these projects, but we could always approve the budget and then, you know, take a walk over there or in the spring look at it and say, you know what, let's let's not do it but i mean i think if we have it in here i think overall we're expecting to probably spend that money yeah typically on budget items that that if you approve in the at the next board meeting the budget gets approved some of those smaller capital items we typically as a staff don't go back to to the board and give kind of updates i mean it would be like, you know, putting wood on the bridge, you know, do you really want to put, you know, wood on the bridge? I mean, you've already kind of had that discussion. It's been recommended by staff, but some of the bigger ticket items, you know, we do go through that, that exercise of, you know, this is where we are, this is what it's going to cost, you know, just so that you, that you're aware, um, and trying to stay kind of bigger, uh, overview of the, the Metro district's budget. But, um, certainly staff is open to, you know, you know, looking at some other things. And Lauren and Terry, when we met as a finance committee, like we, we actually adjusted some of these slightly in regards to what we thought might need addressed as well. Um, particularly, uh, with the, the whole, um, the T's, mm -hmm. we added a few and so forth. And so, um, it was our, you know, we did discuss it. So it wasn't like, this, this is all coming from staff. We, we looked yeah. at it as well to say, yes, th these are the things that need to be addressed. And I think uh, too, just from my perspective and the conversations that I had with staff when we do our initial review of this is, is exactly 
this, which is, you know, asking the board for to kind of discuss these items kind of in this bigger picture. Because as, as Steve mentioned, you know, Willow Creek and, and the fields, we haven't done any. It's been four or five years now. We've been keep kicking the can because we keep saying it's going to be part of this bigger East End plan, but, but things are starting to fall apart. And, you know, to some degree, the same somewhat applies to the clubhouse kind of a conversation that Steve and I had is, you know, we have this this bag of kind of improvements to the clubhouse, but at what point does that building, do we need to start considering in a longer, bigger picture of, does that building need to be remodeled entirely? Um, you know, it's 40 plus years old. It's had little pieces done here and there. Uh, at some point, the roof's gonna need to be done. Do we wait? Do we keep, you know, kind of, filling the holes until we have kind of a bigger need like that. And then we look at it at a whole holistic sale, but you know, some of these we, we kind of put in here expecting the board to kind of have these conversations too. Yeah. I, I, and I have the same feeling about stuff that we might tear down or abandon in the next couple of years, why we put money into it. So it is, I don't know that there's a clear answer. <laughs> I don't like spending money like that either. <laughs> Well, and to remind, you know, from our plan on a page, that's one of our things from StratOps was that we were really going to start looking at capital projects and, you know, will we have the money? Are we going to have to ask voters, you know, at some point in time for other things? But, you know, like, it's like taking care of your body. <laughs> if you don't start taking care of some of the smaller things, then, you know, the bigger expenditures are going to be down the way. And when I'm looking at it's not like we're putting a half a million dollars into that, you know, and it's not, we're in a, as a district, we're in a pretty good position in terms of what um, we have in our coffers, which was not the case several years ago. And so um, it's not a lot of money that we're putting in there to maintain it. Yeah, and, and actually I kind of look at it, especially the par three, we're still charging people for a product and it's not fair to give them an inferior product. So, although I don't like putting $50,000 into that course, it's probably, we're probably gonna have it for at least the next few years, I would think. But does yeah. it make sense to improve a product and then say, this looks great, but hey, the irrigation is failing. I, I know. A and now we gotta kill it anyway because yeah. what you don't see isn't good. You know? No, and we haven't, I mean, we've got, we talked about options for that area, but we, I mean, one of the options is put money back into it and keep mm -hmm. it a par three. So mm -hmm. I don't think we've made that decision yet, yeah. but I, I, I get it. I agree mm -hmm. with you. And I think too, just to kind of chime in, Steve said yeah. it greatly, <clears throat> but over like, for instance, at the ball fields, it was probably 2011 the last time that those dugouts saw any tender love and care. Um, just just hadn't done it in the same mm -hmm. kind of sort of situation with the par three. Um, you know, all these unknowns. So past boards haven't invested in it, um, but maybe it is just a small little price to, to pay to make that experience that much better until a decision is made. Well, when was the last time the baseball diamond was used as a baseball diamond? Not that I want to go too yep. far down that because it's a really small number, but it, it's... I, I had two rentals for that this year. Exactly. Okay. Just to put that in perspective. Yeah, but it's just routinely not used for that, so I don't know why you still have a dugout other than the cost of demo. 
Like it seems like to the cost should it go into just taking out. Yeah, I think that some of the thought too, Lauren, is right now as the baseball is configured and designed and laid out, mm -hmm. it only serves high school baseball. Yeah, so, that, that's so. Yeah. Since Battle Mountain moved, and I probably didn't do a really thing, yeah, good yeah. job of explaining. You know, when we're taking out that or grassing the the dirt, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, over there. Yeah. That is going to kind of, in my mind, kind of allow those that program and run, you know, sports activities over there. Now, because that's gone, now you can have a little t-ball game over there, you know, because you're not defined by the okay, mix. Okay, that's a good point. So, got it. Okay. I kind of look at it as, you know, if some of this stuff kind of goes along, is to circle back with the VRD and their programming and say, you know, kind of this is, I, I look at it as a, a test pilot project for like a multi-purpose field. Because now you got all grass, right? You're not defined by just a high school baseball field because when it, when it existed as that, they just used the outfield for a little micro soccer that was, you know, a little area. Yeah. Now, do, does this now offer you know, t-ball games or can you do other kind of activities that we're not even thinking of? So kind of maybe put it back on those that specialize in programming and run all those programs, whether it's, uh, you know, the school or uh, the VRD or uh, anybody else, Mountain Rec or whoever might want to come up and, you know, or mom and dad or, you know, hey, I want to go over there and just practice t-ball. Now I can set up a little t-ball spot you mean it just provides more flexibility is kind of what uh we're thinking kind of that's going to kind of set the stage for perhaps the the multi-purpose field so it might help provide some data to make those decisions i mean knowing that there's some potential for it being utilized and not just a random structure you know that's <laughs> that's the hope yeah we don't want to redo uh, a barn out in the middle of the white river national forest you know where mm -hmm. no one's going to see it but hopefully you know it kind of mm -hmm. drives that and, and maybe creates a little bit more enthusiasm around that area mm -hmm. and we think the traffic too will be elevated this next year because the, the soccer field's no longer so this is really the area you have to do those recreational activities so Okay. Just trying to dress it up a little bit, make it look a little nicer, and uh, to have a, a better experience over there. Yeah, and the soccer field didn't have shelter. Okay. I mean, there were people putting pop-up tents or little umbrellas and stuff like that. At least now, you, you know, with those dugouts, maybe people use them in a different way other than just kind of like a baseball. Maybe it's a, a little area for mom and dad to, you know, to sit down in and, you know, do work on their computer or whatever it might be, you know, and that might, you know, hey, we need more shelter. That mm -hmm. might be another thing that, you know, collects information to help make decisions on that multi-purpose field. So I think it has some value, um, but, you know, it's, ultimately it's the board's decision. Um, quick question with the clubhouse, or just more, I don't know if it's a question or statement, but seeing expansion and improvement going into the clubhouse, I agree, I wish we had a new clubhouse. I wish it had a giant deck, but I think the big picture is, I would love to see going forward the clubhouse be something for Eagle Vale residents. 
and not just for people that are playing golf. Like I think it should be for both, like not to exclude one or the other, but bringing the community in more as the community supports the clubhouse and they help to pay for the upgrades and everything else of doing whatever we can to make it a better environment for them. And I know that you tried with the events and stuff, but whether it's an Eagle Vale discount or whatever it is, or more marketing or advertising, but making it a resource for the community because people are consistently calling for more food um, and beverage opportunity is kind of making it a community gathering place on top of a great place for golfers to kind of have lunch and stop by afterwards without necessarily saying you're committing it to dinner or, or every night, but, but finding some bridge in the middle. Um, it makes it easier to support these kind of little limps along for the clubhouse. And I agree, I would love this big picture of, but I do also think that that's farther out of a giant remodel, because it's a big giant number. But, and if we're gonna limp it along, it's anything that makes it more usable for everybody. Yeah, um, I think, well, we had, yeah. as you know, just to piggyback on that, this past Tuesday at our, at our weekly staff meeting, we actually delve deeper into that actual comment that you just had of, mm. you know, how can we market that a little bit more towards the community? Um, for example, you know, you know, Ryan and Brent and their teams are gonna uh, start making some bigger, better sandwich boards mm -hmm. that they can put right outside the clubhouse, uh, you know, bag drop area right there, and then down at the, you know, by the pavilion and the pool, and then out on Highway Six that can really advertise and take advantage of some of those great opportunities you know you may not think about it but you know if you're driving in and you see you know a special deal of you know burgers and whatever it might be mm -hmm. hey i didn't think about that but you know i'm gonna go up there just and then utilizing social media with with chris and marianne and, and kind of really trying to bring in the community from that standpoint mm -hmm. ryan and uh Vinny and chad are really you know going to be working hard and coming up with uh Probably at the next board meeting, I think Ryan's planning on presenting his kind of marketing plan for uh, for the clubhouse up there and mm -hmm. and trying to see where we can improve in those areas. That's great. Thanks. What else? Uh, any other kind of questions on specific projects or? Are we talking rates now as well? We can talk rates as well, yeah. Just, just a thought. I mean, as everybody's already kind of dealing with this massive increase in their property taxes in town, is there room to not increase resident rates? I'll take that. Kind of from a global picture of what we discussed with staff, which is understanding that everybody's property taxes are going up, the district's costs are also going up, right? We went through last year with you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% inflation this year, it's going to be almost six probably by the end of the year. It's, we're talking increasing staff by 5%. It's just constantly growing. And for a lot of years, the district wasn't very aggressive in raising rates. In fact, last year was kind of the first size or more sizable inflation related rate that we've adjustment that's been done in a while. Um, and at a certain point, I mean, it's up to the board how much the district wants to subsidize costs. Um, but the, the direction that we kind of gave staff and had initial conversations with staff was that we should attempt to 
keep subsidies stable from what they've been. Um, again, remember, yes, everybody's taxes are going up, but they're not coming to EVMD. EVMD is limited to an inflationary increase. So you guys don't have a big windfall of money to offset increasing subsidies for activities by residents. And, and Lauren, when you say rates, are you talking about the pool well, and pool and golf? Yeah. You know, I notice we don't we don't have a a courts pass for we don't have the EV versus non EV in the courts stuff. It's free to Eagle Valley residents. That's a that's a pretty big benefit. Yeah, in, in itself versus and, and the pool rates are actually like a dollar for EV residents, so it's pretty limited. I I I don't know. I don't know if it makes sense to some of the golf put a little more burden on the non-EV versus EV. But I know, Ryan, you put a lot of time into this. Yeah, I think as John, John mentioned last year during the finance committee, when we look, initially looked at the budget, you know, 14 months ago, there was uh, a big drive from Tim and, and, and Cindy and Joanna to and those on that committee to really lessen the burden on the Eaglevale residents, knowing that there is going to be a little bit of a cost increase. But moving forward, our philosophy as, a, as an organization should be putting that extra burden on those that don't live in Eaglevale. And so we did that for the first time, as John mentioned, really strongly last year. And again, this year, you know, cre you know making sure that 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 gap of Eagle Valley residents to non-residents is consistent uh, kind of throughout each of our programs. And those that are, that are coming in uh, that aren't Eagle Valley residents or, you know, for example, on golf or didn't buy a pass that they're, they're paying the 165, for example, to, to play around, around the golf. And, and I think you see from the golf side um, on those numbers, you know, nearly half of the passes are Eagle Vale residents and that is discounted. So they're getting somewhat if you look at a discount on top on top of a discount by having the having the pass. And I think those that that use the golf course for golf uh you know see that as a as a benefit. So but as John said it it's ultimately up to the to the board on approving approving rates. But we were as John said, you know, trying to keep the subsidies of what we subsidize kind of stable in order to, to do that, you know, there are some slight increases for, for Eagle Valley residents. John, are we not doing a pool punch card anymore? Yes, we are. Yeah. So, sorry, this is just a selection of rates. Okay. So oh, yeah. you'll get the full rate sheet with the next, I, I don't remember what that change was. Do you remember, Chris? Um, because it used you know, to be, wasn't it like $90 or, yeah, I haven't had to buy, I mean, I haven't bought one in a few years. And I will say this, Lauren, I've been in Eagle Vale for, this is my 26th year. The pool pass when I first moved here for a family was $350. So in 26 years to go to 470 mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the punch pass is the punch pass is actually around a hundred dollars because okay. I've purchased it multiple times, oh. give or take. It's it's yeah. not terrible though. It, yeah. it didn't yeah. go up a whole lot, especially for residents. Yeah. Um, we did increase it uh, more for non-residents, as Steve and John were saying. That we really have tried to do it that way. Yeah. Hey Ryan, remind me: Are there resident rates for lessons for golf? No. Nope, but it's a good idea. We could definitely look into that. I mean, if we're raising it in another place, I mean, that would be a great way to kind of try to maybe bring more people from the community into golf that want to learn because it's expensive. So, totally. Yep. So, I don't want to beleaguer this, but just I asked a few people anything about the budget you want me to bring up, and they were all like, the amenities cost too much for them. So, although we may think that they're cheap, you know, the Eagleville residents do do feel the punch, like, I'm not going to pay $15 to just go for a dip. You know, just, it's a lot for some people. So if the more we can keep it down for the Eagle Vale residents, the better. Yeah, I, I think we all, we're all pretty, it's a unanimous opinion of the board is to let's, again, and, and we're doing it, but wherever we can to give the people who are already subsidizing, you know, the operations through their taxes, a break when the people who aren't a little pay a little more <clears throat> well I think we also like you know we're taking the Vail Resorts kind of um, approach here we want you to buy a pass <laughs> mm -hmm. that's why the day rate is higher I mean think about that you know even for visitors that come like they want you to buy a four-day pass because they get all the revenue up front they know it's gonna happen and then if you were to buy that four-day it's like hundred and fifty dollars a day but if you buy a day pass you bet your bet this year it's going to be over $225. So, um, you know, I don't know how we push that messaging out, you know, like, you know, if you were to say to yourself, $260 for one person, how many times do you have to swim, you know, to get that to where it's value add for yourself or something like that? But, I mean, I get it, you know, but that's, it's... Um. One of the things I don't see is that we had talked about at some point was the driving range netting if we needed to change it or if it needed to extend around in front of the garden area um, that's been talked about previously. Is that, is, there, is, is that at a cost that wouldn't necessarily need to go into capital or is it somewhere else and I just didn't see it? Uh, any additional netting then than what's uh, going to be going in uh, next week is not in this budget. I think uh, primarily you'd want to do some some data collecting uh, before you would you know be putting in capital dollars and having you know the experts maybe come back and revisit and look at kind of where we are now and seeing what else uh, they would recommend if anything. I thought when we looked at the three different poll options that that was one of the benefits of the third one was that it had the potential for expansion if it was needed. Not to say that that would be a certain project, and I see your point, but... Option number five, which yeah. was selected out of, out of the five, uh, did take in consideration some feedback from uh, the Wash Park folks. Um, and some other neighbors right there of let can and also from uh the the design review committee mm -hmm. of you know 
let's try to shift it and by shifting it south, uh, put a, a larger pole towards the community gardens and then tying in uh, to that second existing uh, pole, wooden pole that's there. And then, like you said, that wood, and as we presented, that would be the, uh, the tie-in should something else want to be put in. That provided a better tie-in for future use than, than any of the other options, and that's kind of how we talked about it you know, in, in making that selection. So we would just have to look at it. That would be a 2025 project, project if needed. If, if it was needed, you know, if the board decides next year to take that next step. Yeah, and then, you know, this year, you know, the staff, we've been, you know, kind of part of our responsibility and duties were, you know, we documented all errant golf balls, mm -hmm. uh, incidences uh, that were reported to the district. So we have a, a collection, you know, of that. Um, and there was not, you know, there was, discussion that we see golf balls in certain areas but we never received an incident report from the community gardens nor from the uh the community gardens parking lot of any errant shots but you know certainly that would be something that we would want to you know bring back to you down the road you know if there's you know we got you know several incidences of windshields getting broken in those parking lots or an incident at the community gardens or anything else that uh, that would help you know provide data okay thanks I just have to dispute that because there are many Aaron golf ball call-ups that weren't documented it wasn't followed through and you were sent an email of buckets of balls that came over the east side whereas a handful came on the the other side and they just aren't followed up on so the Aaron golf ball policy of getting back to people when they're called up or re or sent up there is not working. So, I mean, we sent you this in an email yeah. and none of it was fo followed up on. I don't know what you're talking about specifically, but uh, as far as I'm aware of, the district never received any input or any phone calls from anybody that a car got hit in the community gardens parking lot. Nor was there any incident from anybody at the community gardens that reached out to the district. Did they say that there's golf balls over there? 13, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. But there was no incident of property damage or person damage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just want to put on the record that they were called up there, but there so, was no follow-up. Terry, let's, calls. if we're going to have this as another discussion item, let's, yeah, let's get sure. through the budget first, and then we'll, okay. we'll have that discussion item. Sure. Just uh, one other budget thing. I think it's great. I like the salary. I think it's great in increasing staffing um, and kind of putting in whatever increases you put in for people. Because if they, if we don't have to bring people in that have to find housing, I think anything we can do to prevent that is awesome by bringing back people that you already have. Um, so that's that's it. I think that's great. Thanks for putting that in there. So. John, we have the opportunity, obviously this is kind of your first, not your first, but the most formal look at this for the board. I mean, we vote on it at the next meeting. If there's any changes we want to see, if you want to take a look and talk more about it, and then at the next meeting we can still 
make any changes we want to this budget. So, yeah, yeah. So we we would ask for any direction you have on anything you want us to look at more closely, changes you want to see um, in advance of the next board meeting, um, just to provide that to us. So uh, you know, certainly we can, if you'd like to look at, have us kind of parse through the rates again and and look at those. Um, we can um, or anything like that or any specific projects. Um, and to kind of jump back a little bit, you know, as, as Tim mentioned, the, the, the capital projects that we have included are kind of, you know, we would expect once approved to be executed. But, you know, if there are any projects that the board would deem, for example, Willow Creek Clubhouse and say, we'll approve this as part of the budget. However, we want to circle back to this in the spring. Um, you can certainly give us that direction as well. Yeah, and I think that specifically was, I know we included $100,000 for a whole nine uh, further improvements, and that was for Aaron Golf Balls, those improvements. I mean, they're not listed that way in the capital plan, but that's what they're for. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were a result of the golf course architect and his recommendations. Um, we did do some work at the end of this year. I don't know that, I know we, we did get a, an email from, <clears throat> the exception and you know they still seem to have some balls but it would it'd be good to see if the the improvements we've made this year are a little more effective but we do have the the money in the budget to do further improvements on that hole so i think it's something we should circle back on you know as we get into the spring and, and see what's going on yeah most definitely we want to have a have it as an agenda item probably and have a an open discussion about uh, hole number nine specifically and then you know that would be the probably having rick phelps back up who gave it uh, the presentation and kind of recommended uh, certain steps uh, into the process and not doing everything at once but trying certain uh, items and seeing how effective they are um, and then i think what you see in your budget is kind of that next step of uh, trying to help mitigate errant golf balls <coughs> All right, John, is there anything else you wanted to present, or are we good? Um, I don't have anything. Does the board have any other questions, items you wanted to highlight? Not right now. Is there anything that we had from Joanna beforehand? Did, were you yeah, able to, it doesn't look like she's on anymore, but. It is tough to listen. Yeah. Okay. So. I think that is it for our regular agenda. Um, and we have something from Terry and then something from Steve. Steve, did you want to just give a quick update? And then we'll go to Terry. Yeah, so Chris and I the other day uh, had conversations with John Holleran, our infamous turkey trot. Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah, organizer, founder, and everything like that. Uh, as you know, last year he kind of stepped away a little bit from, from running that, turned it over to Youth Power 360. Um, and it was that last year was their first year. I think that they're, with all everything that they have going on, it's a little bit of a burden for them to have the turkey trot. So this year uh, they're going to tap the brakes, and there's not going to be a formal Eagle Vale turkey trot this year. Um, Avon is doing, uh, I think, a like a, 
a 2K and a 5K little fun run kind of thing. So uh, John has been sending out information to the community um, and we'll do it as well on our end, um, letting folks know that uh, Avon is an option. Um, and then also uh, part of those funds that were raised kind of went back into Youth Power 360's programming. And part, if you do go through Avon and, and participate in uh, their turkey uh, event, a portion of those uh, revenues will go back into that same uh, to that same organization. And then the thought is trying to find a new partner uh, for 2024. So they're kind of looking at that and, or excuse me, for, uh, yeah, for 2024, bringing it back and calling it the Eagle Valley Turkey Trot in 2024, just taking a break in 2023. So I just wanted to let you guys know and let the community know that, uh, that uh, that's happening and they can uh, look to do something in Avon if, if they're wanting to get, uh, get some extra exercise Thanksgiving morning. All right, thank you. We yeah, could, and then one other. We could maybe help Mary Blair because she's running an informal one starting at 9.30, same thing, just community people. It's on Facebook. So I don't know if you want to just say the informal is still running, just not run by youth power. Yeah, just look for Facebook. I mean, obviously we're not associated with that, the Metro District, but I think right. it's just community members are trying to do that. Right. You'll see it on Facebook. <clears throat> yep. And then uh, on Monday, I sent uh, the board an email um, on some great news with all the fire mitigation stuff that we did this year. And uh, we did put an application in, Hugh and I did, for uh, getting Eagleville certified as a firewise community. And congratulations on great. that. Yep. Kudos to the Eagle Vale Metro District on behalf of the community of getting Eagle Vale again recognized as a firewise community. Uh, this runs through 2024, and again, we'll kind of keep up with those uh, applications and certifications uh, as we do more fire mitigation. But I uh, just wanted to thank the board for all their support with that and uh, let the community know that uh, the Metro District did a lot of great work in spearheading the effort to to get in our community recognized. Great, good job. And I forwarded your email over to Ted Hanley, so that way, and the, I told the POA last night as well, so if they wanted to try to get the word out as well. Great, that's all I had. Hey Tim, before we move on, can I jump back to one budget item I sure. failed to highlight? Uh, <clears throat> and that's, that's our fees. Um, in the budget, uh, we have proposed a 12% increase on the fee. Um, you guys are on a flat fee schedule. You have been forever. Um, you're, you're our oldest and most important client. Uh, you, it's, it's, you, Eagle Vale Metro District is the district that our firm was built on. You guys are literally the first client for the firm, so in 1974. Um, and so you're really important. Part of the reason we've, we've kind of asked for that bigger increase this year is one of the things that we've seen is just a bigger increase in hours requirements. So we, we have had increases in the past, um, but as we've just discussed, uh, you know, our costs are going through the roof right now with employee costs, retaining employees, uh, specifically our IT costs are like more than tripling this year um, because of the way software companies are, are changing. Um, and so one of the things that, that I went back and looked at is, you know, since 2019, 
kind of through August uh, year-to-date hours, we were up 15% this year compared to 2019. And so, you know, increasing time and increasing uh, costs on a flat fee schedule kind of puts us in a really tough position. And so um, I am asking for that uh, as a little bit, as a bigger increase next year. Um, happy to discuss that further with the board, but I did want to mention that. Apologies for not, for letting that slip in my mind earlier. And do we um, split that between the, like sales tax? Like do we say sales the, tax pays a portion of the accounting at 5% and then the district pays 95%? Yeah, so there, we did uh, actually when the sales tax was implemented, the district did um, due to the additional administrative costs with that uh, actually increase our fee that year. Um, I think the initial amount was... 800 a month a little less than that I think it was um, in addition to our, our regular accounting fee and so that has gone up kind of with our with our fee increases over the years but um, so that's also in there the 12 percent but yeah the, there is a portion that goes to sales tax and John you said you guys are just on a flat fee so that's correct okay all right thanks you for highlighting that <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I talked to John a lot, so <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it's not it, the timer's not ticking. Okay, Terry, what did you you wanted to? Thank you guys. Son, if you would just take one of these and pass them down. Okay, thank you. Joanna's not here, so two. So my hope was, and John, you were so kind last meeting to just say I couldn't make a motion without putting it on the agenda. And then we realized today that this was not the meeting to put it on the agenda. But my hope was to make a motion to pause the netting for many reasons. But one is um, it is under litigation with the EVPOA improper approval. And so as we speak, the lawyers are talking. And two, we just want to mitigate our loss and not have them come in and start do something that um, may be taken down or likely taken down. So there's a whole process that's kind of rolling, and I'm not making accusations. I'm just saying that if you've read the second packet or have followed at all, that I don't know why you don't understand, but this net, if it would have done what it's supposed to do, we'd be so happy with it. But it's not going to protect us from the balls that come over on the east side and over and smash windows and balls. And as I mentioned, there are a handful on the side where you're putting the net. There's a bucket full on the other side. And we have evidence, pictures, documentation. And it's not going to look good when someone does get hit, and they will get hit because of testimonies here. It's just not the most dangerous portion. Then if you recall in the beginning when we came in, we were like, could we just please have an attendant? We know it works. John was an attendant, Keeler was an attendant, and go back to the original Eagle Vale design, which wasn't to use drivers. So no problems, no nets needed. It was great. And then of course, it got more dangerous. We know that after 50 years, clubs are much stronger and hit further. And so the entire range has become dangerous. And then some golfers, you know, we went full circle. You said 
Your lawyer said you have to have a net. So we looked at netting. You looked at netting. It wasn't properly discussed. We never really had collaboration and cooperation with community input. You said, well, people could come and talk, but they didn't know about it. You go out and talk on the golf course, and no one knows about this netting. No one understands the whole problem. And when we did start telling them that there is a solution that works and has worked for us, but the golfers brought to us, we golf at Cherry Creek, and they have a sign. And so if you look at like this last page here, here's our net, here's Cherry Hill's sign. If you have a sign and an attendant, it's proven to work, and it saves you the cost of netting. And I know you'll lose some money because you've ordered the netting, but to be financially responsible to start netting the range without having the approval of the community at large, I haven't met a person who thinks that that makes sense. So we were just encouraging it to pause, not necessarily end it, but no balls are going to hit us this winter, and at least have a discussion with the community, which never happened. I know you say we had open meetings, but no one knew to come. And when we tried to put something into the Vale Daily, Steve nixed it with Nate. You know, any kind of communication we tried to have with people, it was stopped. And so if we have agreement and aren't afraid of community input, because that's what we're here to serve, um, let's do that this winter. And by spring, give that a try. It saves us tons of money. We don't have to be netted up. And you say, well, it won't work. Well, it does work. And it works at one of the best golf courses in Colorado. It has worked here. Even if you put up netting, you're still going to need an attendant because we've gone through all the issues that you have when someone is not there watching, you know, the crazy people who hit where they shouldn't be. So that was going to be my proposal. I know that some of you don't want to listen to some of these reasons, but if anyone knows what happens over there, I live there, I see what happens when balls come over. And although they haven't hit a car in the garden parking lot, they are in the garden parking lot. They're over at Wash Park. They're over by the compost pile. They're by the garden 13 on the berm there. So they do come over. And believe me or not, but at least this is on the record so that when it does happen, you know you are not protecting your liability. If you would ask your lawyers, does that net protect you, Asking out of testimony, it is not protecting. And here we have an answer that is fiduciarily responsible, doesn't require any netting, and you don't want to do a baby step to try it. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm just letting you know that there are people who are getting quite upset about this and you know, meeting next week, and um, it's not going to end. This isn't the safety net that you think it is. It's not the protection that you think it is. And I like you guys, and you say you want communication and collaboration, and I've been through StratOps and listened to it, and yet it hasn't happened yet. All right. Thanks, Terry. And, and I think we've been very open. This has been a, an issue we've been discussing now for years, 2020. I think we started maybe 2019. I have an email here from Dennis who's probably Swim Club's biggest proponent of this. And this is from June 11, 2022. Quote, we all agree that netting is the only real solution. This is Dennis's quote. 
All other efforts are just band-aids on a severe wound. Where we disagree is as to who should pay for it and where exactly the netting should be located. So even your biggest proponent says the netting is the solution. We all, and, and you say we're gonna start netting. Unfortunately, the driving range has been netted for decades. Unfortunately, your section, and there is a personal, you know, you obviously have a personal interest in this, so it's a conflict for you on the board. But the only place, anyone who looks at the range says, why isn't that section right there netted? That's right in, you know, where balls could go. So we've had multiple experts look at this, and they've all told us, this is nothing personal for us, I think. I think we all feel that we should protect, you know, the district and the people who are there. We've, I've got dozens of emails from residents saying, we're getting hit, we can't, our kids can't go out in the backyard, and this net will protect them. I think, again, we've, we've, we've talked about it for many years. You've been on the board now for several months, and we've heard that there's gonna be 100 people to tell us it's the wrong decision, and no one's come here to our meetings, and you're part of our board now. You're the one helping spread the communication, and, and we're still in the same predicament we've been in now for three years. And, you know, the net's ordered, the contractor's scheduled to go. I don't, I don't see a reason why we would stop that at this point. There's no new information. If, if the POA, if there was a wrong decision and something wasn't followed correctly and their lawyers call us or their board calls us and says you, you shouldn't do the project, we're, we're going to listen to that. But we haven't had that phone call either. So, Tim, in fairness, we did go full circle. We did say let's just do an attendant and not have drivers. And then when the netting came up, then the netting was the conversation. But here we have another solution. We're not cast in stone as to what that solution is. And if you think that that net is protecting us, this is testimony that it is not. Who knows better than us? We're the ones who are getting hit. You said you're protecting us, but it's not protecting us. If that protected us, we don't care about the views. But it's but, but, not but we, protecting us. The people across the way from you are not getting hit with golf balls. Well, there are balls over there. There's balls everywhere. There's balls in my yard. Okay, thank you for anything. that testimony online. So we have an errant golf ball problem. No, there's balls. But this people is a solution. Balls. People, kids grab this balls. This is a solution that works that doesn't cost you, us money again, for netting. You say that like you have some kind of like I have expertise thesis. because I live there and see them. Yes. Well. And you're saying that it's protecting us when it's not. And I'm just saying on the record. Well, and your, these your owners said that was the only solution. When we went full circle of argument, but we didn't settle on that, there was no collaboration and conversation. We had three minutes. You went back and got an expert who wasn't an expert. And then it just went to crap because there wasn't communication. This is all, I don't think you're bad people just an error in communication, and if you pause this and give it the winter for proper communication, you will hear from 300 people because we've got them lined up. Okay. Well, I think okay. that semantics is, what's, this is what drives me crazy about this whole thing. When you're sitting here, you're acting like a member of the public. So if you want to plead in that regards to where you're saying, you guys, you guys, you guys, I've said this to you before, you're now part of the board, Terry. So when you use the language, you, you, 
technically have approved this net. So if you want to be a person of the public, go stand at the podium. I think I read to you that I did not approve any kind of errant balls, and it's not okay to say, we can hit you and so we shall. And that is a legal responsibility, not just a compassionate caring. So when I say you guys, I am isolated from that attitude. I may be part of the board legally, but I have cleared myself from that because people will get hit and I don't want to be responsible for that. And I know, Betsy, you kind of have your heels dug in and you just, just like, it's over. But we haven't gone down. It's like if people are getting hit on 1st and 3rd, you're putting a traffic stop sign on 8th and 9th. It's not where the Terry, solution is. I'm sorry, but you are speaking as a public person now, not a board member. And this is conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to speak as a public a public person, that's perfectly fine. I will I'm time speaking you. as a board member to I will also advocate you for, for three those minutes. people who will get hit. Well, listen, that's so I'm advocating for my constituents who have asked me to please don't have them spend $300,000 on something that's not going to fix when we have a better solution now. And this came from golfers. So this was an evolving thing, Tim. I know you stopped on year whatever that was, but this kept changing and people kept finding new solutions, but we weren't communicating. So now we're not listening to it and so it's going to happen and, and eventually you know, people are gonna get mad enough to take it down and it's just wasted money because they don't wanna have their range netted in when they have a solution that doesn't require netting. Well, I so I said my piece. I know you're not going to change your mind, but at least it's on the record. And when you do get sued, you know that you've had this and you know that there's testimony of lots of balls coming over there, smashing two cars and hitting people still. Thank you. Okay. Is there a motion to adjourn or any other discussion? I move to adjourn. Second. So moved. Thank you.